Welcome to Ringing Steel Podcast. I am your host, Patrick Hagemeyer, along with my co-host, Mike Hall. How are you doing, Mike? I'm doing good. Thanks, Patrick. Today we are joined by Adam Richardson from Tactical Carry, LLC, out of Richmond, Minnesota, who's going to be answering some questions and going over stuff with us today. Adam, how are you doing today? Uh, doing great. Hey, thanks for having me, Pat. Doing good. Thanks for having me, Pat. Perfect. Sorry. Got to set up some of our mics here a little bit. We're getting used to this stuff. Just our second episode. I do want to thank everyone who gave us feedback on episode one. It has helped us out a lot and is going to help us grow and help us get a little bit better at doing this stuff and getting you the material and content that you want. So this week we're, we're going to cover some stuff that we've been doing this week and stuff that uh, we think you all be interested in. I do know we're going to start with Mike here. Uh, He's d- done some stuff. What have you done since your la- our last show here, Mike? Well, unfortunately, with everything on hiatus, uh, a couple of the shooting matches I was supposed to go to over the last month have been canceled. Um, I did have some fun. Obviously, Patrick knows, a couple people do know, I own black market coatings, do firearms coatings from Cerakote to hydrographics dipping. So with that, I've been fairly busy given all the... Gun sales and everything going on, things have been picking up there, so that's been really good. Um, we are preparing to build a new shop right now. Uh, should be pouring concrete in the next month. So with black market coatings, uh, what type of coatings do you do on those firearms? Uh, primarily Cerakote. Uh, we can do single colors, graphics, anything themed. If you jump on the website, blackmarketcoatings.com, you will get a very good variety of uh, options for your firearm there. We even have featured right now on the web page the My Little Pew Pew High Point 45. It's a sexy little gun, if you, if I must pink, say so myself. Pink with streamers. You yeah. Go check it out. It's it's quite the firearm. So along with that, uh, preparing for matches, I did order some ammo, which wasn't easy to find right now. And I was very displeased to find, it, not not blaming the, sh- the company I bought it from, but I do have to give a special thanks to UPS for uh, treating it like Ace Ventura does every package he's delivered. Drop kicked a box of 5,000 rounds of 22 across my driveway. You know how to find that UPS guy, right? This guy <laughs> with a broken foot. Right. So, yeah, uh, only damaged about 50 rounds in the box. Uh, still usable, but not for match. Uh, when, when we're shooting these 22 long rifle matches, everything counts. If you have something wrong with the tip of that bullet, it will affect the flight, and it does, we're shooting at quarter-inch targets at 50 yards. We don't have room for error. No, they're, they're, that's no room for error whatsoever. Yeah. So, but prior to the show this morning, I got to go out and do some shooting uh, down in little town of Richmond, Minnesota. I've got some friends that have some access to some property there. Uh, we did some handgun practice, shot with some guys that are some military training, police law enforcement training, uh, helping me out with my handgun skills because that's one area I am weak. I... I'm confident enough to carry, but the more I shoot, the more I realize where I'm compensating for my weaknesses. So they're helping me with that. Uh, we did some rimfire practice. We took the, uh, see, I took my 22 out to 175 yards today, hitting a four inch steel plate. That was a lot of fun. Um, one of our guys was shooting out to 400 yards with a 22. Wow. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, 
Otherwise, we a couple of the guys they had some six five Creedmoor custom built JP bolt guns, stuff like that. They were shooting out around six hundred yards, so it was a good morning. About best way to start a day in America. Yeah, a little windy, a little cold today, eh. but you know what? It's it's. A good day on the range, or a bad day on the range is still better than a good day at work. Yeah, it is. And you know what? I look forward to some of the bad weather days because it's skill building. And you never know what we're going to get in a match. I may have to do holdovers, holdoffs for windage and stuff like that in a match. So it's just a little more practice, a little more uh, data in my book. So, yeah, it was a good day. Um, how about you, Patrick? What have you been up to the last Well, actually, I was going to get to, since you you brought up the subject of adverse conditions. Yeah. And practicing in adverse conditions. Adam does, uh, tactical carry LLC, so he teaches concealed carry classes. And uh, I've been friends with Adam for about a year now. I mean, right. we've been talking on and off. Right, right. But the biggest thing that has impressed me about your business and what you do is when you're training people, it doesn't matter weather conditions. It's rain or shine, snow, if it's cold, you're still out there teaching class because you don't know what situation you're going to be in. You know, you're never going to have the perfect weather conditions when you guys are out there. Uh, whether it's rain or snow, you have to adapt to that climate. Uh, trust me, we're still sitting there, and we got people in line. They're sitting in their vehicles. We're trying to keep the hands warm. We send them in one at a time to shoot their rounds, but we discuss, we discuss certain things when they're up there. Uh, you know, if their hands are cold, we start thinking and playing the what-if game. You know, it's not always going to be uh, best-case scenario. So again, you gotta, you gotta just, uh, get out of your, your comfort zone, get out there in those different elements and just, uh, practice. That's what it comes down to, getting rounds down range. So you're telling me every self-defense situation doesn't occur in a contained environment like a shooting range? <laughs> right, right. It's, uh, with our current situation today, things are just gonna get worse. Um, so I can't express enough. There's, there's a lot of different areas that guys will go or even gals, to get the permit to carry. And it's a requirement that they have some type of common knowledge of how to operate that firearm. Uh, with our company, it's nothing like that. We almost rather someone come in not knowing anything so that we can teach them the basics right off the bat. So we're not trying to correct something that they were taught wrong. Um, so it, it just comes down to whether you are within um, having a certain comfort zone of being around the firearm or even if you're just completely terrified of it, come on in. We're going to help you out, and uh, we're going to get you that permit. So go ahead and tell us a little bit more about just your company in general and yourself a little bit. Sure, sure. Uh, so we're Tactical Carry LLC. We're located out of Richmond, Minnesota. We were established in 2016. Um, business has been good. Uh, for this past year, it's really picked up. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I can't complain one bit. Okay. And then you are former military as well, correct? Correct, correct. Uh, I served 14 years in the Army National Guard out of uh, Carroll, Iowa, uh, with the Red Bulls 168th Infantry uh, Division. Uh, during my time with those guys, I completed two tours of duty, attended multiple marksmanship schools, uh, all that jazz. Um, so w what we did is with our military training, we just basically taken that and we entwined it with civilian life. Um, we focus on safety, accuracy, and speed. Uh, we've taken tactics, philosophies, and mitigation from numerous military training schools. And uh, we just create a unique training experience uh, by working with our clientele one-on-one. -on -one. We utilize real-life situations by role-playing scenarios and teach our students the levels of awareness. Uh, we study fratricide within the home, how to combat low-light density situations, and most importantly, uh, keeping one another safe. So whether it's your first time or your fifth renewal, we guarantee you that we're going to put a smile on your face once you complete our course. 
That's good. That is good. And the one thing I was always impressed, you know, you and I talking, I was an instructor out in Colorado for some time. Absolutely. Yep. And you and I bounce ideas off each other of what about this? What about this? You know, my, my thing of being able to, if you have an outdoor range and you have the ability to, to do a different shooting sequence just to see how people react back to the, there's never a perfect situation. What if? And playing that game. And yes, that's not going to be your introductory course of first time ever holding a firearm, shooting offhand, unsupported. But if you get someone who is very comfortable shooting and has been shooting for a while, that's something I enjoy doing and teaching people because it's just a different feeling that a lot of guys don't get into. And it's something that, in my opinion, you needed to know. If you're going to be in that type of situation, know how to handle no matter what your situation is. And you and I have talked about it and the pros and cons, and there are. There are pros and cons of all the stuff that we do talk about when it comes to concealed carry stuff. There is going to be something on either side. You brought it up, the low light mitigation. You know, you see a shadow in your house. Do you shoot it? Do you not shoot it? State of Minnesota, we have the uh, retreat. We have a duty to retreat. retreat. Yep, yep. So it, it's one of those things of, you know, you hear about kids getting shot. You hear about spouses getting shot because of low light conditions, a lot of it. And it comes down to having the right tools. You know, it, people still rely on these old, godly big mag lights that hold like, what, 8D batteries nowadays? <laughs> How are you going to tactically move through your home? with something that has like 300 lumen listen you only need like 80 lumen to illuminate your home without affecting your own eyes right we want to blind the assailant in the home not ourselves right we we basically just want to have positive identification of the threat and then we move on from there okay so myself um i've been out turkey hunting here this week with my son his first time ever hunting and boy do i've got some stuff that i learned through this is it called patience? Well, yes, that, that, that's a big one. Um, the first one was, is I bought a Mossberg 500 for him and it's the field and, uh, the field combo. So it's got the, sh- uh, shot barrel and it's got the rifled slug barrel. slug barrel with a scope on it. But the problem I ran into with that was that, um, it's got a riser. It's got a cheat comb riser on it. I can't find my low comb. Can't find it anywhere. Without that low comb, you cannot put on the shot barrel and use it. It rises too high, and you can't get down on the barrel to get a good sight picture. Well, I called Mossberg. Just shot in the dark. And the Mossberg rep goes, do you know I get about three or four of these calls a day? Yes, we have them. They're out of stock right now. Call me next week. I'll get you one sent over. He's like, they're like six bucks. It'll cost you another six bucks for shipping. That's fine. I'm the idiot who lost it. And I know is the day that that shows up to my house, I'm going to open the box, I'm going to grab it, I'm going to walk back, and it's going to be laying right next to the gun for whatever ungodly known reason, because now I'm not looking for it anymore and I paid someone else to get another one, now I'll find it. Right. But, you know, it's one of those things of, when you fit a kid for a shotgun, good lord, can that be a nightmare quickly. Do you get him a full size? Do you get him the youth model? Do you get the youth model that you can expand out? What do you get him? Well, because I didn't have any of this stuff, my 15-year-old son's now using my $800 Beretta for turkey hunting, which makes me cringe a little bit, but he's taking good care of it. Lucky kid. Yeah, start off right. But that'll, honestly, in my opinion, it'll take a little bit off the shells when he's firing. So when he's shooting turkey loads, it's not going to bother him like he would if he was shooting a single shot with the turkey load in it, because that'll scare him. I mean, he, he was already, I wouldn't say scared, but... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for here? Um, nervous around recoil? Hesitant. Right. Hesitant. Thank you, my, thank you. Um, 
I took my uh take my son out with me when I go trap shooting occasionally and I've got a little twenty gauge that I let him run. I borrowed a Breda A four hundred from a buddy, twenty gauge to let see if it worked any better. My son will shoot my AR all day long. He'll shoot some of my bigger guns. It's the shotgun. It's a completely different kick. It you know, is. It's I always compare it to a Honda race car versus a seventy Chevelle. They may be the same speed, but they launch different, they feel different. Everything it it's not the same on the shoulder. No, it's not. And my thing with him is I took him out shooting, and we started him off with my twenty-two. For my twenty-two, I went to my AR. For recoil wells, that, that's kind of that progression of things. Um, and then I ended up, he shot my black powder. I've got a fifty cal black powder that he shot that we're thinking about for deer hunting for him. But then I got the shotgun out, and I loaded a slug in it. It was actually my friend's 20-gauge um, Savage t- uh, 220. So it's bolt action. With a three-inch mag slug, that'll boot you. Yeah, because there's no taking the recoil off, even with a pump, where it takes a little bit of that recoil down just because of the weight. He he shot it, and he's like, "Well, that that was not bad." And he's like, "It wasn't as bad as I thought." So I handed him my 300 wind mag, and he shot that. I said, "Well, if you can shoot that, there's pretty much nothing that you're going to touch that you're not going to be able to shoot. If you can shoot a 12 gauge slug, and you can shoot a 300 wind mag, everything else in the middle." You're fine. Yeah. Then I took him out and he shot my 44 mag. That's awesome. He didn't like it because it was loud. That was the only thing. He he didn't mind the recoil and mine's ported and everything else. I got the Raging Hunter. And it fires really, really nicely, but it was just loud. Well, we got him earmuffs for turkey hunting because he was doesn't like the loud noises. He figured out, because they're the ones with the volume control on them, that he was getting feedback and they were giving him a headache. And I went, okay, son, here's what we're going to do. You're not going to wear your earmuffs. And I know you want to wear them because you don't like the loud sound. I will tell you, when you shoot an animal, you're not going to hear the sound. You're not going to feel the recoil. There's this great thing called adrenaline. Yeah. Kicks in, blocks out a lot of that noise. Yes, it does. And for him, he he the second day we went out, he left his ear plugs in the truck. And he's like, all right, let's just go. First day, we didn't see anything. Second day, in the morning, we saw some deer, and I showed them how jumpy deer can be. They got about 50 yards from us before they got spooked off, and I actually had to spook them off. Um, but then uh, in the afternoon, we went out, and where I hunt, it's on top of a hill, and it dives down into a valley. And I was setting up on top of the hill, setting up the decoys, all that stuff. I'm like, all right, go check on that hill over there. So he walks over there. And he starts throwing hand signs that we talked about, you know, what's a turkey, what's a deer, what's a coyote kind of thing. And he gave me the turkey, and he's pointing, and he's giving me the turkey sign. And I kind of did the, you know, air gun shoot. And he points the shotgun, and kind of looks back at me and points the shotgun again. And shoot. And he's, he's standing there silhouetting himself on top of this hill. I'm like, get down, get down. So he gets down, and then he kind of throws his hands up like, I don't know what happened. So I walk over. He's like, it was down there, but it was too far away to shoot. Really? I know this. Go walk down to where it was. So he walks down this hill. gets down to the, basically the bottom. And he turns around. He goes, I was right here. And I said, turn around. Start walking until I tell you to stop. So he walks about another 20 yards. I'm like, okay, stop. Turn around. He goes, yeah. That's how far that shotgun can shoot. He's like, what? You mean that turkey was in range? Yeah, turn that turkey was like 30 yards away. You would have absolutely destroyed that thing. Oh, 15-year-old kid's now kicking himself any chance he gets of, I could have shot a turkey and I Heartbreak. didn't. Heartbreak. Yep. 
And he's like, I effed up. I said, no, you didn't. What you did is you learned something today. You learned what your range is. You learned kind of how to judge that. It was bad on my part not to take him out a little bit earlier with that specific gun, with that choke and that load to show him that stuff. And I can admit that. But at the same time, he now knows, because that's where my ground line now is, that if he sees a turkey within this range, he can shoot at it. And he will. He is hunting hunting hard trying to get a turkey. He's like, Good I'm going to get a Tom. I'm going to get a Tom. I haven't even got a Tom. I got a Jake last year, but he wants a Tom. You know, I got to apologize to the turkey hunters that were out this morning when we went shooting. No, you don't. <laughs> we uh, we pulled up to that farm to do our shooting. And, like, we were, our first set was, you know, we had a 400-yard range. And I'm new to the Minnesota, the shooting. It's still a little odd to me to be shooting across farms. <laughs> you know, we're down in the valley, and you guys both know the Richmond area where I was at. But uh, there there was a there was a vehicle pulled off, and we know the guy was back there turkey hunting. And we did a walk around. One of the guys took the UTV out just to check it, give him a little heads up that there's something else going on here. But I have a feeling pretty early on he figured it out once we started opening up some of the bigger guns. And that'll happen. I will say, like we're I I stopped out at my friend's place today. South, it's a uh, out here in Luxembourg, and. We walked his whole property, and we, he was going to walk onto his neighbor's property because he walks his neighbor's property constantly. We start walking. I look up, and I see a ground blind with the windows open. I'm like, ah, no, turn around. We're not blowing this guy's hunt up. And we walked out. As we walk out, we're still talking, normal voice, not, I mean, joking, laughing, everything else. And we walk up. He's got a chicken barn on his property. And we're walking past the chicken barn so you can see down the long end of it. And I look down, and there's a tom fanned out at the bottom end of this with a couple hens. I'm like... Dan, go get your gun. So he runs and gets the gun. I follow him up to get the decoys because there's a field just on the other side of the chicken barn. And I set everything up and I go back around to the back side of the chicken barn and walk trying to push the birds towards him. And they were gone. When I got back to my son, he's just sitting there just shaking, hands just shaking. He's like, are they coming? No, sorry, man. We'll get you on a bird. But his adrenaline was so funny to watch because the first day he's like, oh, it was kind of boring. 15-year-old kid, it's not electronic. Till t- this morning, he's like, we go in this afternoon? Can we go out again? Can I shoot a bird? I want to shoot a turkey. I really want to shoot a turkey. I'm going to shoot a turkey this year. And he's just pumped about it, which is great for me to see. It's something other than electronics. It's not, I'm on my Nintendo. I'm on my PlayStation. It's not that kind of stuff. It's, you're out learning a skill. It's not just a game. It's not just entertainment. It's a skill. If everything goes to hell in a handbasket... You've still got the ability to go out there and put food on your table. That's yeah. the way I look at it. You know, that's why I hunt. It's it's a little bit of tradition. Uh, I don't trophy hunt. Uh, I hunt to provide for my family to live that tradition of how America was, how we became where we are, be able to put food out. I mean, it, you know where your food comes from when you're out hunting it, when you're buying it in the store. You mean that antibiotic-free, GMO-free stuff like that? Stuff that... You're getting when the deer walks by you and hey, you're going to make some good jerky too. There you go. You know, it's, it is interesting and I've really enjoyed learning this with my son and having fun with him. All right. Sorry, just reviewing our stuff here a little bit. Other than that, um, I know you've been having a lot of fun with the shooting in the black markets. I've been doing a lot of hunting. Adam, you've been doing your training stuff. Um, 
You did give us a voucher for Guns and Gear store here. I'm going to say thank you for that, and thank you to Guns and Gear for that one, because yeah, absolutely. That, that's going to help out quite a bit. Uh, they're a great little shop, uh, located somewhat over by Parkwood Theater. If you want to go visit them, they're a great time. Uh, Adam, do you have a website, or is it just the Facebook page? No, no, no. We have a website, too. It's uh, com. So if you guys want to go out there, check out some apparel, book online. Uh, I believe our schedule's wide open right now with everything going on, but... Uh, you can book up to seven months out currently, so uh, be sure to stop out and uh, check us out. Great. The other thing I wanted to bring up with that is we, we did get a post for someone asking about it of what's going on with the Second Amendment with all these lockdown pr- things that have been going on with the COVID-19. Um, I did see that Minnesota's Gun Owners Caucus that was going to a couple different counties that had shut off permit to purchase, permit to carry. Yep. And went by law that they cannot do that and they have to honor the system. And, you know, that, that's been going very well. We have some very good friends in, uh, Minnesota Gun Owners Caucus that do a lot of great work. Yeah, they are. They're, they're huge lobbyists for us on our part and out there protecting our rights. It's something we can't continue with what we want or what we're doing as America without people like them. And I wish I could be more involved. Uh, I am, full-time work and all that so you know it's i support groups like them because they fight for us no it is and the the big one that i look at with them they don't bully people either it's not bully to do what i want you to it's here's the information we will lay it out for you we will let you know what's going on and be rational and reasonable about it not well you don't agree with me so we're going to vote you out and f you Right, And there are other organizations in Minnesota that will do that. And if you're not giving them money, they don't want to listen to a word you say. Whereas myself, I don't haven't donated yet, but I talked to Rob Dorr, and he will answer questions. I asked him about around the southern half of the state is shotgun-only zone for whitetail. And they were talking about getting that and changing that so it's statewide you can use rifle. Because, well, let's face it, shotguns go out to 200 yards anyway. Yeah. What's the difference if I take out my Henry 357? Really? Right. Um, and he said, well, all other bills other than the COVID stuff are shut down. And I can understand that, but he's very quick about it. You know, talk to you is very approachable. Everyone there has actually done a very good job of being approachable. Hey, I've got a question. Hey, this is what we got. Okay. And if they don't know the answer, they will get the right answer and get it back, back to, you to you very quickly, too. No, that, that is something I've really enjoyed working with them. Um, I did talk to their media person, and coming up on a future episode here, we're going to work to get Rob on with us. So I think that will be a really good one for people just to, if nothing else, be introduced to who he is and yeah. what he does. And, you know, it's he's down at the Capitol constantly. I mean, he brings his daughter now, which I think is funny. Yeah. Because his daughter has got so much education on the Second Amendment stuff that she can challenge these lawmakers and go, no, that's not it. You know, I look at this, and we're on, what, the largest gun sales period in recent memory with all this COVID stuff right now? Have you guys heard of any mass shootings? No, and it's even started hunting season. Right. So that's what I look at is everyone, oh, guns cause murder. Well, no, murderers cause murder, and there's more guns being sold right now, and they're not being used for nefarious means right now. They're, they're being right. used by people. I want to protect myself. I want to protect my family. Well, and how many people out there right now are first-time gun buyers, never been around guns, are finding out the laws that have been passed because of things, people they voted into office and things they voted for without doing their due diligence and research? 
You know, they thought you can just go in and buy a gun. I am an FFL holder with black market coatings. I've got people calling, hey, I want to buy a gun. How do I, you know, can I just come in and pick it up? And when you tell them, well, in the state of Minnesota, you either have to have your carry permit, your permit to purchase one of those two, and come in, and then you run, I have to run a Nick's background check on them. Right. They're surprised. They, they're like, what, what do you mean I can't just do this? Or can I order one online and just have it shipped to my house? No, it has to be shipped to an FFL. That FFL has to receive it, has to run a Nick's background check on you. I've, I received two, three firearms in the last week for people that have ordered online. They had to have my FFL. I had to ship it to the vendor they purchased from, and mm-hmm. they send it to me, and then I get it. I let them know when it's in. Here you go. Let's run your background, and let's get it done. No, that 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 is a very interesting thing, and the real interesting one is, when you start doing interstate, too. Like when I worked at Cabela's in Colorado, we had to know the laws of all the different states because if I had someone from Minnesota come into Cabela's in Colorado, I had to abide by Minnesota standards. So in Colorado, I didn't need a permit to purchase. I didn't need a permit to carry in order to buy a firearm. I would just go in. I'm a state resident. This is the gun I want. Here's my ID. I fill out the right. Nick's background check until they changed it. It was the Colorado Nick's background check. That's a whole other story. They'd run my background. Here's your gun. You're good to go. If someone from Minnesota came in, I would have to go, do you have your permit to purchase or your permit to carry? If they didn't have either one of those, even in Colorado, I could not sell them a firearm. Something I've still got to research to make sure. And every time I've got a purchase come through or somebody picking up a firearm, I have to go through all my documentation, all my ATF provided, all my Minnesota provided to make sure I know everything I'm yep. doing. But I can't sell somebody out of state an AR-15. Nope. I can, but I cannot hand it to them. I have to ship it to the, their home state Correct. to an FFL to receive it. So they're buying it from me. They're paying my cost. And they're going to pay shipping on it now, and they're going to pay an FFL to receive and do the transfer when it yep. gets to their home state. No, there's a lot of laws that people just don't even know that are there. And the one that just drives me up a wall, Adam, I'm sure you've seen it. I know, Mike, you've seen it as a straw purchase people. Well, I don't have my permit to purchase, but my wife does, or whoever it is. And, well, they'll just pick it up for me. Well, now that you told me that, I'm not selling you anything. The, the other one that people don't know about... What I do is typically considered gunsmithing. Correct. You bring me a gun, I take it, I have to check it into my book. I have to take your driver's license, your information, enter it into my ATF logbook. When I finish that gun and you come to pick it up, if you're working that day and you want to send your wife, your girlfriend, your brother, if you're not the same person that dropped that gun off, I have to run a background check on whoever is receiving that firearm. Which I, I don't have any problems with that. I personally, I think that's a good way to do it. Let's make sure guns are going into people's hands that are legal to have them. Not, well, I dropped this gun off and I'm having, you know, my wife pick it up. Well, you don't know, but my wife's a felon or whatever that may be. Right. And now you've got a felon in possession of a firearm. Yeah. You don't know. No. Without running that background check. And it could just me be trying to circumnavigate or circumvent the system, and that's just not the right way to do things. And, you know, sometimes that just gets sprung on you out of nowhere. Sometimes we'll have someone come up to us and say, hey, uh, I'm in Colorado, but my girlfriend lives in St. Cloud. What's the chances that I could just transfer my firearm to the nearest Gander Mountain or wherever they want to send it to, and you pick it up for me, right? Sounds legit, but, again, that's a straw sale. You're picking up that firearm. It's not yours. It's just, I guess... For the newbies out there. They just really need to be educated on this. Right. 
Yeah, no, it, it it is. It's you know, if you have a firearm, make sure you have the background check done. It's and follow your state guidelines. If you're in California and you're trying to buy an AR-15 out of state with 30 round mags, that's not legal as a California resident. Isn't it a hundred round or a hundred clip magazine? Ghost Isn't that gun. What we, what we Ghost call gun. Them now? Yes. Full, fully automatic. Full, full, fully sem- fully semi-automatic magazine with That's... bullet buttons and yes. right. Yes, precisely. But no, it's stuff like that. It's it's the the best one I ever saw when I was at Cabela's. We had some guys come in, and we were watching them. They they looked thuggish. We'll we'll put it that way. And in Denver, you do have some major gang activity in Denver. They looked thuggish, and they bought seven guns. Is what they wanted to buy. They were all the same model. Would you get, like to guess what brand those guns were? They were pistols. I'll give you that. High point. There you go. Uh, high, high point p- was the first. Glock would be the second. No high offense p- to Glocks because that's what I carry. Seven but. high point 40s is what they wanted. 40. <laughs> so, no, they, they failed the background check. Like, severely failed the background check. And our thing was, if it was a felon trying to buy a firearm... We wouldn't tell you. You just got the little beeper that you're walking around Cabela's with. So they're walking around with that. We called the PD. They went into our vault. So they're standing just out inside the door. So they couldn't see them. We had them buzzed back. They come walking back up. We're like, ready to go? And they're like, yeah, uh, right through that door. We'll get you taken care of. And they open the door. There's two police officers standing there. Cuff them, stuff them, and we're gone. It's just like, how dumb do you have to be? See, I'm curious. I've yet to have any background checks come back as do not transfer or anything like that. So I'm, I'm not looking forward to the day that some, even, especially if it's somebody I know comes to buy a gun from me. Cause I've, I've, through the business, I've sold guns to people that I know I'm good friends with. And the, one of the first ones I did, it was a delayed transfer. And my buddy kind of looked at me. I'm like, I got nothing, man. I, I don't know why, but. <laughs> You're going to have to wait a little bit on this one. One of my friends got that. He bought that Savage 220 and got delayed, and he was freaking out. He's like, I had a DUI like 10 years ago. Do you think that would do it? I'm like, it could. You know, you just inspired or brought back a thought. Uh, talking about your buddy with the Savage 220. Uh, was that, that was the gun you borrowed at one point to have your son shoot? Or yeah, we were it? all down the range together. Uh, we were all together. Th- this is where it comes into people paying attention to what they're voting for, who they're voting for, oh, what yes. people stand for. Some of the laws they're trying to put in place right now would have made that an illegal transfer. Yes, it would have. And I you, you under- today, You today would have been an illegal transfer. I'm going to shoot my buddy's gun. I actually didn't hold anybody else's gun today. I'm, I'm just saying but, in general. But, uh, yeah, point. I mean, point taken, it, it is. You... Where you can't even take your family member's gun out. Right. If some of these, some of this legislation were to pass. It's scary out there. It is scary. It, it, it's very scary. There's some other things that I've seen that I'm like, okay, that one's already been co- covered by, is it the Heller case or some of the other cases that some of the laws that they're trying to enact right now have already been ruled on, on a different case. You know, that's the thing. Enforce the rules we have, laws we have. There are plenty of them out there. The ones I think I feel they should do away with a little bit of the NFA stuff. I'd like to be able to pick up a silencer, or a, let's call it the right term, a suppressor, because suppressor. there is not a true silencer without the tech stamp, please. Right? Yeah, because yeah. government's got to get their two hundred every time somebody buys something fun. So let's move on. So, like we said, we've got Adam Richardson from Tactical Carry in today. Um, you already gave us a little bit about what you do and what Tactical Carry does. Um, I want to start out with, you know, a little bit of your background. I'm fairly new to you. You know, I, I've talked to you over the internet through some social media. 
Um, can you give me a little bit more in depth on your background? Yeah, you know, as far as just the the, the military itself, um, I grew up around firearms as a kid. You know, uh, my dad was very avid with bow hunting, black powder rifle, uh, a lot of turkey spring shotgun. Uh, that's still kind of a thing where we try to get together every once in a while down there in good old Iowa. Um, and it's just plump full of turkey. You know, everybody's just dying to get down there and get a tag for out of state. But uh, it, it just brings back a lot of memories. Uh, and, and my father was really avid with teaching gun safety, which I, I really respect. Um, he was really good about that. My brother, uh, unexpectedly, though, he, he just he was never really into guns. Uh, I've got him to shoot a gun uh, once with me probably 12 years back, and ever since then, uh, that's about it. Uh, but as far as my history goes, other than the, the military service, I've just spent a lot of times around firearms as a, as, as a kid. And then uh, since I had gotten out of the service about six years ago, like I said, we began tactical carry in 2016. And now I just want to find a way to take all that information, all these things that I learned through the service, and apply them to, to civilian life. Um, it, it used to be so difficult for me to go out there and just fill out a basic job application after my second tour of duty that people would kind of almost look at you like damaged goods in a sense. And when you fill out an application, your application basically comes out and says, I know how to blow stuff up, right? Nobody really wants to hire you with that kind of application. <laughs> it's just like, well, what's this guy going to do our workplace around here, you know? Um, so, yeah, it's just whatever I can pass on right now. I, I just have such a deep passion for teaching others gun safety and um we we just love it. Awesome. So we've we mentioned a little bit earlier with the stuff going on throughout the country and worldwide. I mean, we're we're un, experiencing a experiencing an unfortunate event that has shut down the world. This coronavirus situation. But there are a lot of new gun owners out there. What what do you recommend for a first-time gun buyer for training for basic firearm knowledge, um, or even how to shop for that first firearm. You know, there's so many things that play into this, and and I hear it a lot when people come up to me through a course. They're like, "What would you recommend for my first pistol?" You know, typically a guy's going to say MMP Shield. They're going to say Glock. They're going to say one of these well-known makes because that's what everybody carries, right? But bottom line is, is not all one hands are the same. Everybody has a different size hand, uh, different size hand. Um, and it, nobody has the same trigger squeeze. So it, it's really kind of hard to, to answer that question, to tell them that this specific firearm is going to work out for them. Many times we see people come through with these really slim, single stack, subcompact 380s, and they love them because they're small and they can conceal them. That's great. But unless you can't hit something at 15 feet, we have an issue here. Okay. You know, the hand may be a little bit bigger than what it's able to support. So maybe we have to move them into a double stack, okay? We have a uh, a wider rear receiver, for instance. So they have something to grab onto versus trying to hold onto the back of that pistol and have it shake around their hand. It, yeah. It, it, and I, I get it. It gets frustrating when you can't hit a target, but guess what? If you can try to imply those four fundamentals and you still can't hit the target, it's no longer operator error, okay? It may be what you're using. So a little bit on that one. I, when I was working at Cabela's, I, I ran into a lot of first-time gun owners. You know, it's a girlfriend getting her first gun or a guy getting his first gun. He's turning 21. He wants to get that gun. And my biggest recommendation for people was get something that feels like a good handshake, that feels good in your hand. Me personally, I know you guys shoot Glocks. I can't shoot a Glock to save my life. I'm sorry. But <laughs> but that that's just me. I, right. I, I shoot a full, I have a full-size M&P that fits my hand very well. I've got my 1911s that fit my hand very well. 
But the Glock, it's honest to God, and this is what it came down to, I grew up shooting revolvers. So yeah. shooting revolvers and sh- being military and shooting the M9, that grip angle's always the same. As soon as I have to switch to that, what is it, 17-degree or 19-degree Glock grip, and I have to roll my wrist forward, it throws me off, and I cannot get on target in time. And it just changes my muscle memory enough that I'm not good at shooting. I want to get one so I can get proficient with it, but right now I'm just not a Glock shooter. A, I don't like the bricks. I don't like the Springfield. I don't like the Glock where it's just that brick in your hand. I like more of that Sig Sauer M&P where it's more rounded back and, you know, it just to me it feels better in my hand. But that's just me. You know, I've got the benefit of all the variety of firearms that come to me to get work done on them. You never shoot those, do you? Uh, I actually do. I have begun <laughs> test firing them now. Uh, it, it's one of those, if I tear, tear your gun apart, I need to make sure I'm going to hand you back a working firearm. I've gotten to the point now, if it's a new gun that the customer has not even fired, I will actually go put two to three rounds through it before I tear it down. And I I do let them know, I'm going to shoot your gun. I'm going to run it because I want to put it back together. I want to make sure it functions Fires, the same. Yeah. Um, one customer just got a... A JTS MK M12 AK. It's a 12 gauge AK 47. Interesting gun. Uh, he wanted to have it torn down immediately and seracoded. It feels a little stiff to me. I'm like, dude, go run this thing. Go run 20 rounds through it minimum. Let's go shoot it. Make so we know when we're right. back together. But you know, getting onto firearms and finding your first gun. I'm looking for something for my wife, something she's comfortable with. She's always shot the Glocks well, but they're a bigger, bulkier gun. Even my 19. I wish I, I, I wish I, I could be on camera for this because this is something we were trained at on at Cabela's. Yeah, guys' hands. If you hold your hand out in front of you, from your pointer finger down to your thumb, is very angular. Yep. That that on a woman, it's more pocketed. It's a softer yep. curve. That's where your Ruger handguns are going to fit better. Your Smith and Wessons are going to fit better, and your Sig Sauer's are going to fit better. We, I just got in a Hellcat, uh, the, what's it, the Springfield Hellcat, right. um, double stack, small gun, nice compact, not, Croatian. not overly wide like the Glock is, like right. my 19. Uh, I want to shoot that gun. I want to shoot it bad. I had my wife, I had a M&P in at the same time. Obviously I've got my Glocks. I've got a car 40. I've got my 1911. I've got the Hellcat at the house. I said, just hold them. Tell me what you like best. Uh, cause I'm going to buy her whatever she's most comfortable with. Unless it's a high point. I just won't own one of those. Well, no, here's the thing about a high point, okay? Don't, don't knock a high point, because it does have its, its, its pluses. Number one, they're damn near indestructible. No matter how bad you want to get rid of that thing, you will never destroy it unless you weld it shut. Right. Demolition Ranch just did that. Well. They went through torture test and stuck rebar, a full bar of rebar up against the round and fired it and it fired the rebar out and still cycled. I do have to say, not from experience, um, Minnesota's passed law. It is illegal for a manufacturer, or not a manufacturer, a firearms dealer to sell a high point in right. the state because the melting low point. melting point of the metal the gun's made from. Which, and in my it, opinion, is dumb, and here's why. Here, That law in particular is dumb because there's a lot of the Rough Rider 22s that fall under that same law that sh- are don't great tell little them. guns. No, you can't get them here. Right. Where, where do they find this metal at that they make these firearms out of? It's, it's an aluminum alloy. Chinesium? Yeah. Chinesium. Right. So, anyways, like I said, the Hellcat, man, this gun feels great. It feels great in my hand. It feels great in her hand. Uh, I may shoot it today. I may shoot it tomorrow. I don't know. Uh, I know I'm putting three rounds through it just to see because it's coming apart. 
Monday to get uh, Gun Candy Cerakote on it. Gotcha. See, so. for, for me, my next one I want to actually pick up, true, honest to God, pick up for a carry pistol. I was going to pick up a Sky. S-K-K-Y? Yeah. Um, Derek at Midland Armory's got them in, and I've held them, and they're a little bit bulkier. They are a single stack, but they feel good, and they're an inexpensive gun. Yeah. So as an everyday carry, if it gets beat up a little bit here and there, scratched, I'm not going to sit and cry myself to sleep of, I just, you know, scratched up my Kimber. Right. So it's, it's just one of those, you know, Look at your application too, but at the same time, don't go by that high point. Yeah, I, I've seen people ask for a high point concealed carry holster and I'm like, backpack. What? Backpack all day long. It's a backpack. But here's the other one with a high point that you always, people forget. If you miss them with the rounds and you throw it and hit them in the head, it will kill them. Oh, yeah, those things are bricks. So, so, alright. So we've got, so Adam, so you've got a customer. They've got their first firearm. They've, they, they got them, they got a nice handgun. Um, what do you recommend for them to get comfortable with that firearm? Well, first of all, if it's an expensive 1911, I recommend they don't carry it because, uh, 90% of the time, BCA is not going to release a firearm five years down the road like they say they're going to. Okay. So once you guys are in an incident and they take that from you, not only you're not going to receive it back, and if you do, if it is five years down the road, guess what? They're not going to be cleaning it for you the entire time. They're going to put that baby in a bag and whip it into a wall locker. So first and foremost, if you got that beautiful uh, Kimber 1911 or custom, uh, put it away, okay? Go out there, get yourself a nice, nice HK VP9, uh, Smith & Wesson, Glock, whatever you, whatever you prefer, and uh, learn the application. Um, if you have a couple of hiccups with it when you first start training, don't stress, okay? You can work through it. You just got to find a way to to manipulate that firearm, okay? Everybody thinks when they come out of the gun, if they're not a perfectionist with that firearm and they just can't knock the center out of that target with the first 10 rounds, it's just not going to work for them. So it's just being perf- being proficient is what it comes down to. So with that, though, there's one other question, especially with carry pistols. Yes, sir. What type of ammo do you recommend <laughs> for people with carry? I know we talked about this off air, so that's why I'm bringing it up now. Absolutely. No, it, a hollow point. 99% of the time, it's going to be a hollow point, okay? Now, I understand when you come to the range or you come to us and you go through a course, it's acceptable to bring your, your full metal jacket because that's what we shoot, okay? But when you leave the range and you load that FMJ back in your magazine, I'm questioning if you're going to be putting that back in your daily carry or in your personal uh, firearm for safety up until you get your permit. Um, that should never be the case, okay? It, it, huge liability for one. You have no control of that round. It's gonna that that FMJ is gonna basically surpass your whatever intended target that you're shooting at, and it's gonna strike whatever's beyond it. Okay, that's why we only focus on being in the range with that FMJ, and that's the only time we should be utilizing it. So any other time you're not in the range, it comes down to is you should have that self-defense hollow point. Thank you. And that that was one thing I've seen, and I've I've seen the same thing. I know people that carry full metal jacket, the ball. Oh, it's it's cheap. It's twenty bucks. Exactly. Exactly. Everybody's like, well, it's so cheap that I. I can spend seven, eight cents a round versus 30, 40, 50 cents a round. I get it. I get it. But you're a liability. Okay. You, you are accountable for every single round that comes out of that barrel is what it comes down to. No. And, and I was talking with a few of my friends and going over, I actually carry Hornady critic or I do critical duty. Yeah. That's a great round. I don't do critical defense. And I was talking to that person happens to be a police officer. I won't name him, but he said, if you're going to carry Hornady, carry the critical duty over the critical defense. And the reason is the critical duty is a bonded bullet. So it dumps all its energy 
inside a target. He goes, you get a huge wound channel, it dumps all its energy, and you're not worried about it. He goes, you look at some of the critical defense, that gets a little bit of dump, but then it just keeps going, and that's it. It's not bonded, and it just stays together. He goes, get that hollow point. Get, you know, some good Hornady ammo. Go get some of the other good bonded bullets for hollow points. You know, I look at stuff like the RAP ammo and the designer, I'll, I'll call it, designer hollow points and stuff like that. And I'm like, you're going too far. You're trying to, well, these troll cars break off and go six, de- no. Get something that's going to dump all its energy right now and stay together. Don't sit and make it look like I'm just out to kill someone. It's I'm here to defend myself. You know, along with that, you're carrying your gun. You're in the unfortunate situation. You have to pull that out and use it in self-defense. You've got this round in your gun. You shoot somebody. It does its job. It stops the threat. It ends their life. Saves yours, does what right. you were intending to do. You go to court now. You don't only have to justify your actions as to why you had a handgun, why you shot them. You have to explain the round you had in your round in your gun. Yeah. Why did you have that specific round? And if you say because I wanted to kill somebody or because it was the most lethal round, right. it's not going to go over well. No, um, it's not. If you are carrying a firearm, if you have a permit, talk to an attorney. Get an attorney on your side before you ever have to pull that out of the I holster. actually, and I, I will recommend this to any one of our listeners, I, I actually use U.S. Law Shield. Yep. And it's a great thing. It's an insurance that I pay that if I do get into a shoot situation, I've got a phone number, I call, and an attorney's going to show up at my door. I don't care if it's 3 o'clock on a you know, Sunday morning. Someone's going to be at my door or on the phone with the police going, okay, I'm his attorney. Yep. You know, and, and if you don't have a legal representative, it's very, very important that you channel through someone that's going to understand what you're saying during a situation because your psychological effects and your adrenaline dump, there's so many things that play a factor in the response that comes out of your mouth. So once that's stuck on a legal document, there's no pulling that back. Okay. Did so I shoot five times or did I oh shoot six? Oh my gosh. Just find yeah. someone that, that can understand you at your worst time, whether, you had that really bad day after a loved one passed away and you couldn't get the words out because you're so choked up, but that best friend, your mom and dad knew exactly what you were saying. That's the person that you're going to want to channel through. Right. And that's the person that's going to give that official response to to your LEO. Um, I met with a lady a while back uh, and we were talking firearms and uh, situational awareness, self-defense, things like that. She recommended a book, uh, The Law of Self-Defense. Uh, it is by... See if I can get the uh, author's name pulled up. Andrew Brock Branca. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. I've read the book once. I'm reading it a second time. It walks you step by step through everything that you're going to go through, everything you're going to experience, what to do when it happens. Read this book and others like it if you're carrying a firearm for self-defense. You have to know this stuff. It breaks down state-by-state situations. It goes into law based on previous events in those states. It's an amazing book. It sounds like it. You know, it, it, go ahead. Oh, your, your board op has a question here. Yeah, I was actually. about to say, yeah, I was going to bring up that um, our board op has a question. It's puzzling me when you guys mentioned people are concerned about price per round when it comes to what they are carrying for self-defense. Absolutely. People will buy the cheapest stuff right. and shoot it, and that's what they they shoot. So that's what they carry. That's all their life is worth to them. Right, but I'm just I understand like casual shooting and having some fun, and but 
why can't you buy 25 rounds of what's appropriate for you can't the situation you can't but right i'm just saying but why 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 would it be looked at okay. as i'm not spending the money on 25 rounds so like, so i'm I'll, a cheap guy and okay. even i go you know i'm gonna do that i'll, I'll put this in perspective i've yes. got that 44 mag i've got hollow points for it okay yeah I, for the box of 50 i paid 32 dollars yeah okay that's not my defense rounds in that gun my defense rounds in that gun Mm-hmm. I got 20 rounds for $50. And that's my defense rounds. Now, with buying defense rounds, this is another t- pro tip from us here. Whatever you carry, shoot some of it. Make sure it cycles. Make sure it works. Some guns, I have shot guns that do not like Hornady, or they don't like Remington, or they don't like Hydroshot, whatever it is. They won't right. cycle them. So you so have to shoot that. You, you'll have an initial cost of it's spending a, a little money to make sure this round works with your gun. Yep. And then you just know, and then from there, once you, a year, you have that round. That okay? So every it, it, that's not very much. No, it's not. No. And there's they, they, there's no. You're talking about your life, whether or not you've lived through the situation that you got yourself out of. Now your life is on 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 trial, literally, yeah. literally. And yep. you'd want to make sure that. I don't know. It just it puzzles me that people would cheap out on that. So my, my my career field in the military was ammo. So what I did was I dealt with munitions, I dealt with small arms, all that stuff. And we have something called shelf life, and then you have something called service life. Service life is how how long can I put around in a gun, in a magazine, whatever that may be, and let someone carry it until I go. That's no longer good. We're going to pull that back and give you new stuff. Shelf life is how long can it sit in our storage area in controlled conditions. Will it be good? So small arms for the most part was unlimited for the shelf life. It would sit there and be fine. I, I know we would cycle it beyond that, but uh, service life, I can't remember off the top of my head, but I will not shoot around personally. I will cycle rounds and make sure they fire after a year, and I try to burn that ammo up at least once a year, and I'll rebuy. So I'm, I'm paying, let's say, 35 40 bucks for a box of 29 mils that I'm going to carry. I'd rather have that once a year. I mean, you start breaking that down, like Matt said, you start breaking that down. That's not much a month. No. It's not. Save, save, don't get a couple coffees a month and you have a brand new box of ammo. There you go. All right. So what all types of classes do you offer and do you do any custom classes? You know, we'll cater to a private people in our private classes, I should say, statewide. Uh, so we'll travel statewide as long as someone has five or more uh, people to attend. As far as uh, courses go, we get the permit to carry. We do do some advanced marksmanship with AR platforms. So if people just need basic understandings of how to zero the iron sights, how to set a scope, how to understand uh, windage, elevation adjustments, how to calculate for windage, uh, we can go over a lot of that information with them. But more specifically, we focus just on permit to carry at this time. Okay. One last thing I, I wanted to bring up with you, Adam, and I know military, you're a lot like me, I'm, I'm sure. Uh, both eyes open versus one eye closed. Yes, sir. Absolutely. Um, you know, nobody commits a crime by themselves. It's going to be, a, you know, one or onesies, twosies, threesies. Uh, when you get a group of gentlemen together that are going to commit that crime, you typically have a person that's going to be breaking into the house. You got a guy looking out, maybe got a guy in a vehicle, whatever it may be. That situation, um, it, uh, there's a lot of possible, uh, a lot of possible scenarios that can that can happen. Uh, 
you know, I, we stress to the clientele that if someone is in the home, not only pay attention to that perpetrator, but pay attention to the, the way that he exited it or came into the home. It, it all comes down to, uh, just have, having common sense and having your head on a swivel. Situational awareness. Absolutely. 100%. No, that's one thing I've learned. I've taught myself how to shoot both eyes open. Even on a magnification, a light magnification, I have an ACOG, so that's a three power magnification on it, three and a half. And I've taught myself to both eyes open. That has actually helped me in deer hunting. Because when I can shoot both eyes open, I've been lined up on a doe right in front of me and out of the side of my eye where if I had my left eye closed, I'd see something move over there and look and there's a buck standing right there. Well, I would have never saw him if I would have closed that eye and just focused down. Yep. And same concept, you know, when you're, when you're at the range and you're shooting, it's just complacency. Before you know it, you have someone off to the left of you. And maybe you have uh, some type of uh, malfunction, stovepipe, double feed, whatever it may be. And you're trying to correct that, and you have that little bit of barrier between you and the person next to you. And before you know it, you're flagging to the left or the right. It's just as simple as that. All right. So um, talking about some of the training in the classes, uh, what is the going rate for a carry permit class with right now? Uh, right now we're just doing $75 out the door. All right. Now, uh, typically we'll take our clientele over to uh, Painesville Sportsman's Club, just out there by Painesville off of Highway 23. It's a $25 range fee, but it's good for the entire year. Uh, that permit covers your, your entire immediate family uh, whenever you want to use the range. Keys can be drawn at Channel Marine in Richmond, Minnesota, or at Hilltop Cafe in Painesville, Minnesota. So seventy five dollars uh for the for the permit uh if you are um law enforcement if you're uh emt firefighter military we don't care what you are as long as you wear that uniform we will give you 20 percent off all apparel and all training that's great what uh what does somebody expect they come in they they get their training course with you you go through you've taught them their basics uh handgun you know the use the knowledge what parts are what rounds are you know like i get a lot of people they don't realize the bullet comes out of the end of the shell, goes down the, goes down the barrel. CNN. Yeah, <laughs> CNN. Um, but so once they've taken the classes, what, what's the next step? So they take your class. They've got their certificate from your class. Explain to the listener what needs to happen so they can actually receive that purchase permit. Absolutely. Um, I'm actually going to pull up some information here in my phone that I just, uh, had on our website. Um, so once they come through our course, what they're going to do is they're, they're typically going to take the certificate that they receive from us. They're going to take it to, let's say, Stearns County, okay? The fee will not exceed $100. I know Benton County is going 50 bucks right now. So Stearns, being they love their money, we're going to pay that 100 bucks, and then we're going to receive our permit within 30 days. Now, they will accept cash or check. They do not, do, they do not accept credit card or debit card at this time. And uh, with everything going on right now, we do have limited days and hours that we can go in there and we can uh, process this stuff. So currently what we're looking at, uh, applications will be accepted on Tuesdays from 8 a.m. until 1 p.m., Thursdays from 11 a.m. to 5 p.m., and uh, applications will not be accepted outside of those hours. So uh, if you request an application to be mailed in, it's a no-go, okay? that you got to be there on site so they can identify who you are and uh, make sure that they have the correct information. All right, great. So what else do you have, Patrick? Anything? Uh, I, I think we're pretty good. I mean, we've we've covered what we wanted to cover today. I I know we're still learning on this. Um, it, it's it's feeling like a great show. Um, we've got some good stuff coming up in the future. Um, 
I know I've been working with a couple companies. You've been working with a couple companies to get some demo stuff. I've actually got a piece of demo. Well, not demo. I purchased it. Well, whatever. Well, we'll demo it anyways. It is. I, I picked up a, a Swamp Fox Kingslayer, which is a low red dot for my 44 mag, and it's held up very well. And I will tell you, a 44 mag has one hell of a recoil for a red dot optic to hold up to. Yeah. And it has done amazingly well. I have probably put 50 rounds through it, 60 rounds through it. And she is holding dead. So that, that impresses me. What impresses me more is when I called the company and they do have military discounts, they Leo discounts. Um, but their customer service, you talk to him, you talk to a person. He's in Englewood, Colorado. Yep. And you're not dealing with all these other things. It's one guy, one place, and we're good. And I, I, there's a lot to be said with that. The guy from Mossberg was sitting at his house and he was kind of laughing. He's like, yeah, I'm working from home too. I'm like, yep, I work IT as my main job and, yeah, it's been crazy. He goes, you have no idea. He goes, all the stuff we've gotten, we can't keep up, you know, overall, but we're trying. That's all you can do. Yeah. You know, pe- people right now, especially right now, are boredom shopping. So there's a lot of guys online just going, hey, I'll go get a shotgun. Hey, I'll go get this gun. Hey, I'll go get this gun that I've been looking at for six months and never really bought. But now I'm stuck at home, so I just want to buy something. And the only place I can go is the gun store. Best question I heard all week. What caliber is your stimulus check going to come in? Yes. <laughs> yes. So. Well, I want to say a big thanks to you, Adam, for coming in today. Uh, this has been great fun. Uh, good to meet you. Uh, I actually am going to discuss some of my uh, needs for uh, permit renew after we're done with the show. Um, one thing we kind of want to do with the show is promote some local events, activities. Uh, unfortunately, right now with everything under shelter in place law, all, all that stuff going on, there's not a lot going on. So hopefully by our next show. Well, you know what? I can say this. Find yourself some state land. Pull yourself a turkey. Turkey permit. Purchase over the counter this year. Yes, it is. Purchase, purchase that permit. Get yourself a shotgun. I, you know, Get yourself some turkey loads, whatever it is. Get out there. If you've never turkey hunted before, it is so much fun to hear those gobbles. Get yourself a cheap call. Learn how to use it real quick. It doesn't take much, even if it's one of the little box calls with a button on it. Yep. And just get out there. Get out in the woods. If, you, if you're if you a fisher person, get out. Go fishing. Get out of your house and go do something. Ice is to... off the water. We can do that now. Yes, we can. I, I got very upset when this all locked down because it was right in that area of I couldn't go out on the ice anymore. Right. But the water wasn't open yet, so I kind of went crazy for about two weeks of I can't get out fishing, and I'm stuck in my house, and I work from home anyway. So the only place I really went outside of that was going out to eat, which was, well, now I can't. Yeah. And I do want to ask our listeners, please jump on Facebook, go to Ring and Steel Podcast, uh, send us show suggestions, things you want us to talk about, things you want to know about. Like us. Uh, like us, like on, us Facebook. on Facebook. Uh, we will be, we do have an Instagram page. We have not put anything on there yet. We're uh, just a couple of guys. So keeping up with everything between our daily lives and family and work and everything else we've got going, it is a little slow going. Uh, bear with us on that. But please uh, jump on, give us ideas, let us know what you want us to talk about. Uh, tell us what you like about the show and what we can do different and make it better. Please, absolutely. Uh, the other one I was going to bring up is with the Facebook stuff, we will probably end up soon having a YouTube page where we can start showing some of our shootings and what we're doing. And when Mike's out on the range, we can get some video of him shooting or 
we can get some video of when we go out with some of our friends that have class three licenses and we can go rock and roll a couple mags and y'all can have fun with it and you know join us for some of that stuff machine guns are the best you had better call me when that happens i tell you oh well uh, we'll talk off the air we may have a place to have a car and some tannerite yes sir But it's it's been a pleasure, gentlemen, and again, I thank you, and I thank for our listeners for tuning in. We are Ring and Steel Podcast, your host, Patrick Hagmeyer, Mike Hall, our board op, Matthew Poster, and to this week's guest was Adam Richardson from Tactical Carry, LLC. Thank you, and we'll talk to you in the next episode. Are you